If you're a local independent distributor, it can sometimes feel like the walls are closing in. From online retailers to global brands, the competition is fierce. Instead of navigating the bloody waters of the internet, local distributors might find golden opportunities in their own backyard. On this episode of The Takeover, I'll discuss three ways that local independent distributors can grow their business and blow Amazon.com out of the water with The Local Advantage. If you take the risk of running an industrial supply business, shouldn't you get the benefits too? Welcome to The Takeover, presented by Spinstack Growth Agency. We'll show you how to grow your business, drive positive change, and build a legacy that stands the test of time. Bringing his 15 years of experience as an industrial executive and consultant, here's your host, Matt Johnson. Hey guys, welcome back to The Takeover. On today's episode, uh, we're going to dive into the idea of the local advantage. What does that mean? If you're a local independent distributor, um, the world is a scary place. <laughs> um, you've got competition popping up everywhere. And as I said in the intro, um, this is a this could either be a scary uh, a scary thing or it could be a golden opportunity. Now, which of those you decide it is, is a a lot based on your perspective. And I'd like to give you a new perspective today. I want to talk to you about how being local, how being small can be to your advantage. And I'll share some ideas that I've been thinking about lately um, regarding the local independent distributor. So I'll first talk about this idea of small being superior to large. Um... There's these two stores that I like, well, that we like, my wife and I. Um, I like a store locally here near my house called Carter's Hardware. It's a, it's a small family-owned hardware store. Now, it is in the middle of serious big box competition. I mean, within the same driving distance, I have both a Lowe's and a Home Depot, um, where I can virtually find anything that I could possibly need for my home improvement needs, right? Um, but I choose Carter's Hardware um, because it it is got essentially everything that I need as well, uh, but a much smaller, much manageable store. Um, so uh, you know, this is where I turn when I need um, a new chainsaw, um, a couple gallons of paint, a um, uh, a couple new light bulbs. Um, some fasteners to hang up uh, Christmas lights. Uh, and by the way, these are all actual examples of things that I've purchased at Carter's Hardware uh, just in the past few months. Um, so I choose Carter's Hardware um, because, you know what, they they know me. They know who I am. I come in the store. They know me by name. Um, I talk to the same people there on a regular basis. Usually it's, it's every week. It seems like my to-do list gets bigger and bigger. Um, but, uh, you know, they're also involved in my community. And I genuinely feel better and less stressed when I go to Carter's than when I, do to, when I go to Home Depot or Lowe's. Uh, it can be overwhelming shopping at those stores. Um, just finding the right thing, and then you have to ask somebody where... Uh, so-and-so is, and they point you to an aisle, and then you have to walk five minutes to find the aisle. Um, I, I genuinely prefer a smaller um, a smaller product 
uh, offering. It, it just narrows my my choices down. It makes things go smoother. Um, and by the way, they know exactly who their customer base is. And they're not they're not mass marketing to everybody like Home Depot or Lowe's. Carter's has a um, a. A really large section of big green egg uh, grilling products and smoking products um, for your grill, and uh, and I I think it's because they know that the neighborhood that they're surrounding is folks like me, um, you know, middle class, you know, upper middle class people, retired people. Um, we like to we like to cook and we like to um, create good quality grill. Uh, foods and and so they know who we are. They know who their customers are, and they've and they've built their store around that. And that's it. Really makes me feel like when I walk into that store that it's designed for me. Now, turn the page bookstore. On the other hand, um, I have nothing to do with this one, but this is my wife's choice. And I thought about this one too because she is so fiercely um, loyal to the store, uh, and they have the the worst. Let me say that again. They have the worst e-commerce online shopping experience I've ever seen, and yet she will go there and order things every holiday, every birthday. This is where she goes to shop for uh, latest books and for um, gifts. Uh, now, this is owned by um, this by by the way, this is owned by Nora Roberts, who happens to be like one of the most famous romance novelists um, of our generation. Um, but do you think that uh, Nora Roberts knows who her readers are, and uh, and she can anticipate the experience that they want out of a bookstore? Uh, you better believe she does. She's done a great job. So they like serve tea in the morning, and they serve wine in the evenings, and they offer comfortable places uh, for ladies to read and talk about the latest releases. And yeah, it's it's undeniably a feminine design space, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, in fact, you know, we need more of that. Like we need less like gender neutral, plain, boring spaces. We need we need spaces that are catered toward men and women and different demographics. And uh, and I think that's part of where I'm going with this whole conversation is to really get specific and personalize the experience for your customers. Now, the merchandise in her store is largely comprised of artisan craft artists um, artisan artists, I think so. I'm not sure if that's correct. Um, but uh, you know, there's all kinds of little knickknacks and jewelry that's been hand handcrafted, and it all appeals to readers who might recognize, like, say, a necklace pendant or a mug from one of the author's novels. Now, it's super specific and it's completely personalized for her fans. And let me tell you something: both the Turn the Page Bookstore. And Carter's Hardware are thriving. And it's no fluke that they're thriving. Um, while pressure from Amazon enforced borders out of business in 2011, indie bookstores and small places like Carter's and Turn the Page Bookstore, um, they made a unexpected comeback. And uh, so between 2009 and 2015, the ABA reported a 35% growth in the number of independent booksellers book from 1,651 stores to 2,227. Okay, so for distributors who are paying attention, a similar opportunity may be within reach for you. So, but how do we make the most of our local advantage? How do we, um, how do we compete 
on a very small scale in our small communities with the biggest brands who are encroaching on our communities, on our territory. Um, well, do we work harder uh, to even to look even more like Amazon.com or Granger or Fastenal? Do we hire better sales reps or buy more trucks? Um, what's the answer? So uh, I'm going to propose that uh, so many things in life are paradoxical. Um, and, and frankly, I got to confess, like f- philosophically, I love the idea of a paradox. Um, it, it really, um, it's really fascinating, right? So have you ever thought about how so many things in business are a paradox? Um, you know, maybe that's the, the reason why that we so often get things wrong and we slow our growth and we fail in our business ventures. Maybe that's, maybe that's because we're thinking that strength and um, size and, uh, and technology and all of these things that we hear buzzwords about, we think that this is how we are to grow because that's what the, the big ones did. So we have to do it the same way. But, you know, I like to play golf. And in golf, uh, there's a lot of paradoxes. I don't know if you've noticed this. Um, here's just a few of them. So when you're hitting into the wind and, you know, it's going to be harder for the ball to get to its destination, you should actually swing slower into the wind. Okay. So when you hit down on the ball, when you hit down with the club, it actually makes the ball go up. And when you're trying to hit a cut, uh, you're actually, if you want to hit a cut, which means for the ball to go right, you actually need to aim left. And if you want the ball to go left, you need to aim right. There's a lot of paradoxes in the game of golf. And, uh, and of course, I'm a student of theology and the Bible, and even Jesus said this, that the first would be last and the last would be first. And he also said, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will, will save it and keep his life forever. Now, and he said so many other paradoxes uh, in, in, in the Gospels. Uh, and in life, indeed, paradoxes surround us. Um, but here's, here's my um, rubber meets the road. Like, how do I apply paradox to the business world? So let me ask you this. What if in your distribution business, the way to grow is by getting smaller? What if you stop trying to compete with the national brands and Amazon.coms of the world and instead became the first and only choice for your local community, for your particular customer base? After all, you have the advantage here, right? The Grangers are not sponsoring your Little League team, are they? And Fastenal is not attending the local chamber meeting, are they? So you are in position to win your local market. Um, So if you're serious, if you're serious about killing it as a distributor, let's talk about three things that you can do to win against the big brands in your own backyard. You know, we live in a time of continual disruption to the industrial supply chain, from tariffs and trade wars to the Amazon effect on buying behavior, not to mention the internal challenges you face trying to navigate new technology, recruiting, educating, and empowering your team. These are real concerns for small to medium-sized industrial suppliers. They keep you up at night, and they threaten your mission to provide for your family, your employees, and ultimately, to build a legacy that stands the test of time. I've been there. My family's business has worked with independent distributors for over 40 years. 
SpinStack was founded as an answer to the challenges our peers and partners faced with big box competition, changing technology, and rapid consolidation. Today, we offer three simple but powerful services that help industry Davids defeat Goliath. They are e-commerce, printed catalogs, and inbound marketing. Our e-commerce solution for distributors has been developed by over 15 years of hands-on experience, listening and adapting to the changing needs of our clients. We offer personalized B2B and B2C website design, development, hosting, and maintenance. We also believe in the power of beautiful print. SpinStack started by curating product content from the industry's top suppliers. We combine that product database with an airtight production process that makes printed catalogs of every shape and size available and affordable to the masses. Finally, we kept our finger on the pulse of digital marketing best practices by teaming up with HubSpot to provide marketing automation, lead generation, and nurturing strategies. Regardless of where you're at in your industrial supply journey, our energetic team has the experience and know-how to guide you to a bright future filled with opportunities to grow. Put your fears to rest and conquer the moment today by scheduling a consultation with the industry's most recognized agency. If you're ready to grow, let's go. All right, guys, you ready to jump into this number one? The first way that you can uh, dominate the local market is to champion with your local trade schools and serve the community that you're in. So I found this fascinating, and uh, and guys, you, you know, do a lot of research on this. This is, I mean, Mike Rowe has has got his thing going, and there's a lot of talk right now in the area of trades and basically the lack of prepared workers available for manufacturing businesses and skilled workers um, out there in the workforce. This was fascinating. I, I read this online, that the United States has 30 million jobs that pay an average of $55,000 per year and, don't, and do not require a bachelor's degree. This is according to the Georgetown Center. And sadly, many philosophy majors are slinging double-whipped mocha frappes and, sit, and sitting on literally thousands of dollars in college debt. This is sad, guys. Most experts agree that we need a resurgence at the high school and trade levels to better equip industrial workers, welders, electrician, and foremen and women of the future. So, uh, and on top of that, with the public school system, I mean, if you guys have kids in that in the public schools, you know that there's just zero money. There's just nothing. There's no money there, and um, they're constantly looking for help from um, the parents and from outside organizations, sponsorships. It's the same thing with the community college and the technical schools. Um, they have outdated equipment, they have outdated facilities, and they really need for uh, private uh, businesses that directly benefit from the type of graduates that these schools are putting out to come alongside of them and support them in their endeavors. So um, here's an example that I found online, and there's many examples, um, but here's one. California Steel chipped in $2 million for an education center, and it leases it to Chaffee College for five for a whopping $5 a year. And other local companies have invested too. And while that kind of cooperation has been rare, uh, Chaffee College's in-tech center is an example of how it can work. I've also seen this um, 
uh, great distributor in uh, Valdosta area. Uh, one of our former clients, we've done a lot of work with them in the past, a Whitehead Industrial. Uh, they partnered with their technical college and um, you know sponsored uh, the college in the form of billboards all over town. Um, encouraging uh, kids in high school to pursue a career in the trades. Um, and why do this, guys? Why would we, as distributors, maybe you're small and you're thinking, well, what can I possibly do? My margins are already th- uh, thin enough. Well, you're asking me to p- put up $2 million like California Steel? No, not necessarily. I'm saying, why don't you look at what it would take to go in as a cooperative and think about your customers in the area. Think about the customers and other um, interested parties that could get together and support one of these schools. If you're in, for example, earshot of a technical school, um, why not uh, you know, invest in the local education resources, show up at their job fairs, um, show up and display a genuine interest in local economic development, and explain, educate them on, on the role of a distributor and the role of the manufacturer when it comes to providing the right tools and equipment for people to do their job um, efficiently and safely. Um, this, is, this is where a lot of distributors and suppliers um, fail, frankly, is that they, they haven't done a good job of celebrating and and making, I mean, I, I get it. It's industrial supply. We're talking about fasteners and tools and safety products. But, you know, we have to make it as sexy as possible or else um, the, the next generation is not going to understand it. They're going to cruise right by it. They won't consider this a legitimate career possibility. Um, so think about this. If you've, ju- if you've done this, you've done this well, where your name is synonymous with the school uh, and with the community that encourages uh, this sort of education for the next generation of trades workers, well, then you've just created a farm, not only for your customers, who, who by the way, are going to need to purchase your equipment, and hopefully more and more as they, uh, they grow and they have the right skilled labor force to handle the growth, but you'll never have to worry about finding skilled employees either. So it's definitely one of those scenarios where it can be a win, win, win. Um, there's lots of winning going on. Uh, Donald Trump would be very happy about this. Um, so do it. You know, partner with a local school, get involved with the kids, teach them what you do, and encourage the trades. Okay, so that's the first point. Point number two is to personalize the catalog to match your customers' needs. Um so I think about this a lot. This is, this is actually on my mind constantly. Uh, one of the hardest marketing disciplines in distribution, I believe, is organizing and maintaining a product catalog. So as you may know, at SpinStack, we provide software strategies and solutions that do just that. I mean, we are a catalog company. It's, it's primarily what we do. Everything starts with a, a catalog. From a, When you have a catalog, you can have a great e-commerce website. When you have a catalog, you can produce marketing campaigns and flyers and quarterly promotions. Uh, if you have a great catalog, you can manage pricing and you can control your margin. And so everything really hinges on the fact that you need a great catalog. 
Um, but over the years, we've done catalog projects uh, for distributor clients. No matter how much of the load that we carry for them in terms of execution, executing the design, building the product content, uh, organizing the content in a legible, understandable format for their customers, um, you know, designing it, uh, printing it, uh, using it in an e-commerce website, the biggest hurdle by far for the average independent distributor is product selection. And that is something that we just simply could not do for them. Um, and believe me when I tell you that I have tried um, over and over again, I've, I've racked my brain on how could I make the product selection process easier. Um, and at the end of the day, I've I realized that there's not much I can do. I mean, hey, I, I guess one of the things I could do is I can go to each manufacturer and I can go to each product category and I can ask them to give us their top selling products. Um, and then we could have like this best sellers catalog that we can offer our distributor clients and which they can in turn offer to their customers. Of course, the problem with that is that it would be exactly the same catalog. Um, the problem with that is that it's exactly what amazon.com does. I mean, they go out and they look at product categories and then they recruit manufacturers to fill those categories with the most popular items. And I guess that works if you are, if it's a mass marketing um, strategy for reaching as many uh, people across the board as possible. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily the strategy of the independent distributor. Um, so what, what can we do? You know, I, uh, you, you, at the end of the day, you have to provide your customers with a tailor-made product selection that meets their needs. That's as simple as that. After all, you cannot be Amazon. You, you cannot be Granger uh, unless you have a $200 million to invest in marketing and merchandising and sales teams and hundreds of employees. But here's what you can do. You can be you. You can embrace who you are, embrace your market, understand your market, understand who your customers are, and when you do that, you will be able to supply them with everything they need to do their job, and by the way, nothing they do not. And that's really the idea of the Carter's bookstore, or the Carter's uh, hardware store, and the Turn the Page bookstore example. It's, it's, it's got everything I don't, it's got nothing, it's got everything, it's got everything I do need, and nothing I do not need which is fantastic when you think about it. Um, and in a world where we are surrounded by options, surrounded by products, I mean, every time I sneeze, I see a new glove manufacturer uh, in the safety world. There's so many that I can't possibly keep up. Um, and so wouldn't it be great if you as a distributor made it easier for your customer by narrowing the focus? Um, that's the idea here. Now think back to the the turn the page bookstore real quick. You know the 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 women's uh, romance novel bookstore. Uh, her primary persona was romance novel Nancy. Okay, I love to use uh, creative uh, names for my personas, even these fictional ones that I'm just making up in my head. Um, so romance novel history is not the same persona as let's say history buff Billy. Okay, history buff Billy. Uh, is interested in like biographical sketches and um, you know uh, geography books and maps and well guess what you're not going to find any of those types of books in the turn the page bookstore okay uh, she uh, she has catered her product selection specifically to this niche to this persona 
So if your local customer base as a distributor, for example, is let's say 99% manufacturing, well then you're probably not gonna carry things like uh, fall protection equipment or ice cleats or um, you know anything that you might wear outside if your customers are all in a, in a plant, in a factory. You're gonna be focusing on probably facility uh, marking and facility safety and um, you know gloves and that sort of thing. So you need to organize and market your catalog accordingly. Think about who your customers are and what they need, and don't try to market them everything that um, every manufacturer comes to you and tells you to market. Um, you know, good manufacturers do market research and they understand the items that different customers need to reach their customers, to reach their end users. So um, I remember back in my Accuform days, uh, we did market research. We, we figured out that there were various vertical uh, markets that our customers primarily sold into, things like oil and gas, uh, manufacturing, uh, contracting, construction, um, that sort of thing. And of course, uh, we tailored our categories and our, our product selection to those vertical markets. And that made us very specific and relevant to end users that were in those markets. Obviously, when you see a small catalog or if you see a presentation or brochure that is directed at the market that you do business in, well, that's more relevant to you that is um, going to get your attention. Um, by the way, I'll just have to make this note because I know some of you are thinking about it. You know, if my local hardware store doesn't have something that I need, they can get it for me, right? I mean, like if I walk in there and I go up down the aisles and I say, well, do you have this so-and-so, um, you know, thing? You know, and they say, well, no, we don't have it. Um, are they just going to turn me away? Well, they might um, if I need it today. They might just say, well, hey, I think Lowe's is going to be your best bet for that one because uh, they'll probably have it in stock. Um, or they might just say, well, hey, if you need it in a couple of days, I can get it for you. And you can come right back here and pick it up. Um, or I'll drop it off at your house. Um, so obviously you get that, right? You can handle the exception to the rule for your customers as well. Um, but what I would say to not do is do not build your catalog, your website, or your retail experience for the exception. You want to build it for the rule. And really that's the best practice when it comes to personalizing the catalog. Get very specific, build it for those customers that you know you serve well, the customers that uh, make up the majority of your market and go all in on those and leave the rest for somebody else. Are you sick of the noise? Does it feel like everyone has an opinion about how you should go to market? Can I let you in on a little secret? Come close. They're wrong. Think about it. How can they be right? Marketing strategies and technology that work for some channels don't work for others. I understand your pain. You probably have some young, straight out of college marketing manager advising you to go all in on social media, retargeting, PPC, SEM, SEO. It's enough to make your head spin. Stack all those ideas together in one pile and call it General Marketing 101. You don't need it because you are an industrial supplier. You need Industrial Marketing 101. In this educational video course, I spill the beans on everything I know about building, launching, and growing an industrial distribution website. There's 10 videos, and each one is under 10 minutes long. This course will take you less than a few hours to complete. 
but it's jam-packed with valuable content that took me years to learn. My mission is to educate and empower independent distributors with the tools they need to compete with the best brands online. We'll start by introducing the Ecom Wheel of Growth, our proprietary system for building, launching, and growing an industrial distribution website. You'll learn how to build and manage an internal marketing team, choose the right technology for your business, learn the best practices about web design, marketing content, and product data. And that's just the beginning. We'll discuss the ever-important role of process development, and I'll give you the standard operating procedures you need to run your online branch like a well-oiled machine. Most importantly, I'll share my top-performing marketing strategies for a seamless launch and teach you how to promote your site to both new and existing customers. Finally, I'm going to show you how to turn analytics into action so you can keep the e-com wheel of growth spinning and generating revenue while you sleep. If you want to save time and money by learning from my success and even my mistakes, then you need to register for this class today. Class is in session. All right, guys, final point. Create a third place for your customers to hang out where they can get provisions for the job. So uh, do you remember like those old Western movies that uh, where somebody would like mosey into town on their horse and wagon and, uh, and they'd walk into uh, a local store and maybe they're coming from their farm or maybe they're coming from a gold, uh, gold claim and uh, they're all dusty. They walk in there and they pull out like a crinkled up piece of paper and they got some like chicken scratches on it and they, they stop and they give, give the, the list of uh, supplies that they need. They give it to the person at the counter and, uh, and then they might go grab some coffee or maybe they'll get some whiskey. Um, or, you know, they'll catch up on the local gossip. And, uh, and they'll come back and they'll pick up their stuff and they'll, they'll get it loaded up on their cart and then they'll, uh, they'll hit the trail. So uh, that's called a third place. Um, and it's something that we miss deeply in our nation and our uh, culture right now. So a place that is a third place is a place that's not home. That'd be your first place. And it's not work. That'd be your second place. The third place is something that's not either of those. It's a a transitional space. Um, So coffee shops are perhaps like the most well-known example of a third place. Uh, And and like I said, we miss it in our culture. Uh, We need it, frankly, because we're exhausted. And um, I might not be a prophet, like I was in the last episode, but I can tell you that whenever a string is stretched too far in one direction, it tends to pop back in the opposite way. Uh, And I can tell you that um, our work culture is primed right now for more opportunities to connect with real life people in places that educate, empower, and inspire them to do their very best. Um, Even when it comes to business to business, even when it comes to things like industrial supplies. Uh, After all, it is your customer's world that's the world they live in. If they're a safety manager, if they're operations manager, maybe they run a, a uh, industrial shop. Um, they are always thinking about ways to do their job better. They need to connect with people who understand their world, and uh, and, and they're missing that, you know. And, and frankly, social media and and online uh, has failed to provide the connections that we really really desire. So, imagine for a minute, if you will. 
that you put in a break room or a coffee bar or an office lounge that uh, in your building where customers could come and linger and hang out a while while you put together their supply list. How cool would that be? Imagine a saloon next to the local supply store. That's what you could become. You could become a welcomed respite uh, in the wilderness of their day-to-day operations. So here's what I would say, and this is why this this gets me so excited. But think about being creative in this space. Uh, could you imagine designing in your office a space that makes your customers want to stick around, even when they're not buying, even when they're not picking up products? Um, you could go conservative, for example, and, and build a clean and modern look and feel, like say featuring computer stations where your customers might be able to access uh, like free safety courses. They could take certification courses, uh, pull up resources that help them uh, do their job better, um, troubleshoot issues on YouTube, and browse your e-commerce website and look at all the other items that you don't have in your store. Um, How cool would that be? Imagine that experience. Um, What you could also do is you could make a really fun space. You could go like totally like a pub style or a man cave atmosphere, complete with a pool table and pinball machines, and maybe a PlayStation for the millennials um, where they could play Madden uh, while they wait for you to put together the order. Uh, Think about your customers and what would make them go wow. Because what makes them go wow is what you need to make a reality. Do you offer in-person training and workshops and certifications? Do you do happy hour events and barbecues? If not, why not? You're missing a golden opportunity to rub elbows with your, with your customers and with your employees too, by the way. And you can en- endear them to your brand. Um, you know, one of the things that um, I often make fun of is swag and stuff. I think that it's a joke. A lot of distributors waste, I think, co-op dollars, you know, when they could be building a website that they don't have or a catalog. Instead, they buy shirts um, with uh, like Milwaukee Tool um, co-branded on the shirt or something like that. And, and hey, got Milwaukee, I mean, it's no offense. Uh, I get it. It's fun. It's cool. It's easy. And I think that's why most distributors do it. Um, and I make fun of it, but here, here I would say, like, if you are a local distributor, uh, this is actually not a bad idea, uh, is getting some swag, having some nice shirts that you can give away or some nice mugs, um, some things that you can offer, um, some, some nice prizes, maybe Yeti coolers that you want to give away, um, you know, portable boom boxes, uh, cool things that, you know, these guys can use on the job or maybe even at home on the, um, while they're out fishing or on the golf course. Um, think about, uh, giving away things, think about op- creating events and opportunities where customers can come hang and, uh, and get to know you guys better and, and really start to associate you with a great time. And by the way, you need to advertise this stuff. I mean, you can't just do it and, and talk about it one time. You gotta, you gotta pound the pavement. You gotta put flyers out, put little f- flyers in, in people's um, shipping boxes. You need to, you know, create flyers, hand them out to your customers. You need to email market. You need to uh, do some Facebook advertising. You know, a lot of people are confused about how to use Facebook advertising. I'll give you one quick tidbit. Well, you're not gonna sell a hard hat and a wrench on a Facebook ad, but what you can do 
is you can use a Facebook ad to reach like literally hundreds, maybe even thousands of local interested people that are, you know, your people and get them to come to an event, get them to come to a barbecue or a lunch and learn or an in-store promotion. And, and you can begin attracting them and really getting them to stick uh, tightly with your brand so that you become the solution, the place, um, the first choice uh, in your local market. So guys, in summary, your local presence, it really is your strategic advantage. Uh, you ha- can champion the trades, you can personalize your catalog, and you can create a third place for your customers that inspires them to perform their best. Be creative and think outside of the box and deliver an experience that your customers will absolutely love and that sets you apart. Well, guys, that's it for me today on The Takeover. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope these uh, got your mind uh, thinking of new ideas and ways to implement them in your business. And uh, again, if you ever need any help, you can reach out to me. If you have questions about the show, uh, shoot me an email or look us up online and get these resources. Share these shows um, with your peers. Uh, Share them on LinkedIn. That'd be fantastic for us. It really helps us get the word out. And uh, guys, it's been a pleasure as always. Until next time, take care and God bless. Thanks for joining us today. If you like today's content, do us a favor and like or share the episode with your peers. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. Have something to say? Hit us up with your questions or comments at matt at thetakeoverpodcast.com. Then head to thetakeoverpodcast.com for today's show notes and action items. See you next week.